Welcome to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. Uh, this one focused on oil markets. I'm Abhi Rajendran. I'm the head of uh, oil markets research here at Energy Intelligence. Um, and I'm delighted to be joined by my colleagues, uh, Amanda Bakker, who is our chief OPEC correspondent and deputy bureau chief uh, from our Dubai office. Amena, thanks for joining. Hi, Abhi. Thank you for having me. And also uh, our colleague, uh, Julien Matonier from uh, our London office, uh, who is our senior oil markets correspondent um, and also uh, our demand guru on, on, on oil markets. Julien, welcome. Hello, Hamina. Hello, Habi. Thank you for having me today. Pleasure to have both of you. Uh, so thank you for both of you for joining. Uh, it has you know, certainly been uh, an interesting start to the year uh, with regard to oil markets. Uh, you know, we are just into the early part of March and, and we've already seen quite a few fireworks uh, with regard to oil markets. Um, you know, at the end of last year, we, you know, we were in the, the 40s. We had just drifted into uh, the $50 threshold and we're wondering where oil prices were going to go. Um, and I think certainly the, the cadence of oil prices to start the year in just a few months uh, has surprised many. We you know, haven't had particularly a, you know, a strong demand environment support it. Uh, we think that is coming later in the year. Uh, but but certainly one of the 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 key drivers uh, supporting this this price environment uh, has been the OPEC plus group, uh, and and generally supply um, you know whether it's OPEC plus or non OPEC. Uh, so certainly this you know we'll we'll dive right right into all of this um, and also talk through uh, how we think uh, OPEC plus demand um, and of course prices are going to trend over the course of this year uh, and beyond. So. Maybe OPEC plus is a good place to start since, you know, we are just fresh off of their latest meeting uh, last week, uh, where once again, they surprised the market uh, with, with their decision um, and certainly is a, is a key part of, of why we touched $70 to, to start this week um, and why, in our view, uh, $70 may be a, a new floor in the market uh, over the near term. Uh, so, Amena, why don't I bring you in? Uh, to highlight uh, what happened last week, uh, what were some of the, the key dynamics from the meeting, uh, and, and what led to their decision to uh, largely roll over uh, their deep cuts from March into April. Thank you, Abby. And uh, the last week's meeting, I would describe it as being a very smooth meeting. Um, there wasn't a lot of disagreements between uh, the, the OPEC Plus members, uh, Basically, all the group, except for Kazakhstan and Russia, agreed with the idea to roll over the current cuts. They wanted to go with the Saudi cautious approach. They were worried about bringing back supply into the market and then seeing prices fall. Um, as I mentioned, the only two countries that did ask for an exemption were Russia and Kazakhstan, um, basically claiming that during this period, which is the winter season, they need more supply for their uh, uh, domestic consumption. So once again, and for the second time, uh, Russia and Kazakhstan were giving the given an exemption. The total was 150,000 barrels, 130 goes to Russia, and 20 uh, went to Kazakhstan. 
Um, but uh, overall, uh, I mean, the, the, the decision to roll over did come as a surprise to the market, especially because according to uh, an OPEC internal report seen by Energy Intelligence, in April, the market did need more supply and they estimated about 1.4 million barrels uh, and another 500,000 in May and then 400 in June. So there was this expectation that some gradual easing would happen. Moreover, Saudi Arabia decided to extend its voluntary cut for an additional month. Now, this voluntary cut, I, mean, I see it as a kind of ba basic bargaining chip uh, for the Saudis and an offering that they make uh, to uh, uh, convince the other producers that they're not cutting by themselves. Saudi Arabia is also making a sacrifice to rebalance this market. Um, so uh, we, we can expect uh, another surprise at the upcoming meeting. Great. Uh, thanks, Amena. Uh, yeah, certainly one of the things that you noted uh, was around uh, OPEC's own internal numbers. Um, and, in, and indeed, you know, we kind of started the week hearing from, I believe it was the, uh, the UAE oil minister uh, speaking about, uh, you know, the, whether the discussion could, you know, could cir uh, circle around adding, you know, 1.4, maybe 1.5 million barrels a day. Uh, and again, this is just for the month of April. Uh, which is, you know, and of course, we just got a fraction of that, right? We, we basically just got, you know, 0.15 million barrels a day added for, for the month of April uh, in, in, instead of the 1.5 that they were talking about at the start of the week. Um, could you maybe just touch on, you know, how, you know, some of the, I guess, the, the consensus dynamic sort of uh, fell on the, the Saudi side of the, of the argument here where, you know, we were wondering, you know, would, would the UAE uh, also want to, um, you know, push more uh, to the side of Russia, for example, uh, you know, as they did back in December, uh, which was not that long ago uh, in that meeting. Uh, but ultimately, this, this consensus, you know, very quickly built up around, uh, around uh, Saudi Arabia's argument. So maybe you could just touch on some of those dynamics. I'd just like to note, Abby, that the UAE's energy minister, El Mazroui, did not attend the JMMC, which is the day before the actual meeting, and he did not attend the meeting. Uh, he uh, was busy with other commitments. Um, so, uh, and there was a decision just generally to support the consensus, whatever the group consensus was, the UAE was ready to support that. They were in favor of the group meshing together and uh, uh, finding a collective agreement. So in, in this, case or this instance, uh, the UAE didn't ask, ask for any exemptions like they did uh, before. Whether or not that's going to continue, uh, we, uh, we need to wait and see. Uh, so the, for, for now, this is uh, the, the UAE's position is to support a consensus. Yeah, it certainly seemed like they didn't you know, want to be in a position to to rock the boat too much in in this meeting. Um, you know, we'll touch on you know what to look ahead to uh, with with OPEC Plus because they meet again in just a couple of weeks. But uh, Julia, maybe this is a good point to bring you in um, to touch on demand uh, because you know what's interesting is you know as Amena as you noted, OPEC's own internal numbers were highlighting potentially a bump of up to 1.5 million barrels a day of demand uh, in, you know, in the month of April. Uh, but we actually had a more conservative view. Um, and, and ultimately, this decision, you know, even though we were sort of saying uh, OPEC plus could, uh, you know, or should uh, add more supply to the market, uh, you know, this, this, on our numbers, this, this decision that ultimately came by actually makes sense. Uh, maybe you could just talk through 
some of those numbers and 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 the cadence for demand. Uh, you know, looking ahead as we you know go from uh, you know February March through you know through April, uh, but also into May June July. Thank you, Abi. Yes, indeed, this decision uh, uh, makes sense uh, to us. We were expecting more supply from OPEC, but uh, um, you know we we were not really worried. Uh, given our uh, forecast, demand forecast for April, uh, we are not expecting a big jump between March and April. It's it's really something marginal. You know, in March we were uh, 94.6 uh, million barrels per day of demand. We are expecting that to increase by about 100,000 barrels uh, into April. So it's 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 mostly a steady. I can explain why later. But but you know the, the current strength in all prices seems to align pretty well with our latest uh, upward revision in demand for, for 2021. I, I believe you know, the traditional relationships between economic indicators and all demand have, have sort of broken down, and they make the forecast more dependent upon uh, you know, economic anecdotes or very thin evidence, clues, and maybe less on data. And we are clearly a more constructive and constructive in the sense of more bullish than over forecasters, OPEC in particular, because we think their latest revisions, their latest demand revisions, were, were, were too fixated by those, uh, those anecdotes. Uh, of course, we saw Europe extending the lockdowns into February and in some countries into March. Uh, we saw that China has limited travel around the, the Lunar New Year, which has hurt demand for transportation fuel when it's normally uh, meant to increase at this very time of the year. Uh, but, but in all, we, we also believe that regions like Asia are less dependent on, on vaccination for recovery uh, than other regions, mostly because you know, of stricter uh, contingency measures, such as in, in China. In China, for example, uh, the government has prioritized producer support over um, household consumption. And I think this, this very move has helped reboot the econ economic growth uh, faster than probably anywhere else in the world, and generally to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, uh, likewise, uh, a major uh, a con consuming region, like a con consuming country like India, has also picked up the slack in domestic demand. And it's probably the country that has the more growth stability uh, uh, going forward. Uh, so, you know, the, the, this latest OPEC move means that the Brent market has moved into deeper backwardation. So the Brom price is trading above uh, the price for later uh, for later delivery. And this very price structure is teasing oil out of storage in both OPEC and non-OPEC countries a bit faster. And given the supply levels are already a little bit depressed, uh, even with the incremental, you know, lockdowns in Asia and in Europe, you know, this is not stopping the market for, from draining the hovering. And we still estimate that at least 1.5 to 1.7 million barrels a day of inventory uh, uh, will keep uh, drawing in, in the first quarter of 2021. Yeah, thanks, Julian. And, and even at a good clip, I think, in, you know, into April and into the second quarter. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned the point on inventories and, you know, and, and, and storage, because um, I mean, I wanted to bring you in here, you know, one of the, uh, the interesting uh, dynamics, you know, with the OPEC plus meeting was, you know, leading up to it, you know, the, you know, there were some complaints, you know, of note from, uh, from the Indian oil minister, 
uh, that, that, that more supply was needed in the market. But I think one of the comments uh, coming out of the OPEC plus meeting, you know, specifically around the fact that, uh, you know, that, that Saudi Arabia especially wants, you know, any small little pockets of excess inventory, you know, whether it's India, uh, you know, SPR or in China or elsewhere, uh, to really be uh, drained down uh, and, and the market to you know, kind of fully return back to an inventory level, um, uh, you know, where it was, you know, before the, the COVID crisis. So, Amanda, maybe you can uh, talk a little bit more about this dynamic, um, because this is certainly something that, that, that plays into uh, OPEC Plus's decision making. Yeah, for sure, Abby. Inventories and the drawdown of stocks is a major factor that uh, that OPEC Plus uh, looks at before making any policy decisions. And the idea is to return to the, the benchmark is still the five-year average. Perhaps that's uh, not a very updated uh, uh, figure or uh, benchmark to use, but this is what the Secretariat always refers to in, in their internal reports. Um, and at the press conference, uh, Prince Abdulaziz, the Saudi energy minister, did say that uh, if uh, India or any other consuming country uh, has uh, problems with uh, uh, the, the current pr where prices are going, they should draw down from their inventories or oil they had bought cheaply last year uh, because it would make sense now since prices are higher and they bought at a lower price to draw down those stocks. Uh, so for sure, in uh, in the coming months, they will be looking uh, at those figures, and it'll continue to be a fact to be a factor in uh, in in their policy making. Right, absolutely. Um, let's let's look ahead a little bit, um, uh, Julien. Maybe I can uh, pass it to you just to walk through, you know, some of those demand numbers, you know, beyond the month of April, right? And 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 you highlighted. Um, you know, Asia and, and some of those regions um, continuing to show strong consumption and, and the West will, you know, kind of come out of either lockdowns or go into, you know, su you know summer seasonal driving season. Um, you know, as you noted, you know, demand is sort of no better than about 95 million barrels a day now and into April. You know, perhaps some of that is, is also impacted by refinery turnarounds uh, and, and, and maintenance. Um, but there's a step up coming in May-June. Maybe you can walk through some of those numbers. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, in all, because of this, you know, near-term weakness, which was which was pretty much expected in the first quarter of of 2021, uh, we saw that. I mean, we thought that that global oil demand will will stay, you know, will grow only marginally, or stay or stay flat, or even go slightly in reverse mode. So, you know, eventually, we see global oil demand is it's you know, forecast to drop by about 1.3 million barrels per day in the first quarter uh, versus the fourth of, of last year uh, to about uh, 95 million barrels per day. Now, we believe that the, the, the uptick, the upsurge in demand will come a bit later into the year, probably the middle of the second quarter, possibly the beginning of the, of the third quarter. But we expect a solid incremental oil intake during the spring and the summer months, you know, Asian buying will resume. There will be a seasonal step up in, in Western demand, possibly led by the U.S., where we already see a strong rebound in, uh, in uh, individual mobility, you know, uh, uh, miles driven and, uh, and the vaccination is making good progress, like in other regions. 
Um, we also believe that the economic recovery from the pandemic is, is speeding up precisely because of the rollout of those, uh, of those vaccines and because of stimulus measures like, you know, the huge packages in, in the U.S., but also from the European central banks. Uh, I've read not long ago that, that only a, a very small share of, um, of a European central bank package was being used every month. So, you know, they've got a lot of, of uh, uh, so to speak, uh, gunpowder uh, uh, still dry to act if things are, 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 are really uh, going badly. And, uh, and, and by product, we see we see a strong rebound over the course of, of the, this year for, for gasoline. You know, as you said, when, when seasonal uh, driving is picking up over the, the, the summer driving season, so uh, more demand for gasoline, hopefully a little bit more demand for diesel as well, which will be laid by, you know, improved industrial and manufacturing and freight demand uh, and, and, and more demand also for the, the, the lighter ends like naphtha from the, the, the pet chem sector. Uh, uh, you know, with, with a broader macroeconomic rebound, which is still playing out in, uh, on the vaccine. So, so from about, uh, you know, 94.7 million barrels uh, uh, per day demand in April, uh, we will get about, about one and a half million barrels more in, into May. Uh, and again, uh, another two, 2.4 million barrels in, into June. So, so really, the demand growth is gathering speed uh, as we move into in, 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 into the summer. Um, maybe the the only downside at the moment is that we continue to see jet fuel demand lagging. But from recent conversation with market sources, we we've heard and and, and it's pretty recent that we may have surprises in this sector as well. You know, with with people thinking that. Uh, the, the fear of traveling, of hair traveling, is, is already behind us, and uh, and uh, and and more people might might uh, you know decide to to, to travel by hair uh, during the summer, at least domestically in some you know gigantic countries like like Russia, I think think China as well, think the U.S., where uh, obviously uh, uh, you need you, you you need airlines to move from from point A to point B. So we might have a bit of upside, even for jet fuel as well. And the later part of this year, you know, is, is setting the stage for an ongoing rebound in general and maybe a, a full normalization to pre-COVID level uh, by the mid-2022. Uh, uh, so, 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 so not until next, next year, but we still see, uh, you know, the demand growth gathering pace uh, quite seriously into the second half of this year. Right. No, that's that. That's very helpful. And and, and I was just going to say the, you know, the the vaccination uh, uptake, uh, you know, the the macro uh, stimulus, all of these factors will will, will certainly help. Um, but but I wanted to hone in on a couple of those numbers that you mentioned, which is super helpful. That you know our own demand increase is 1.5 million barrels a day for May. Um, you know, maybe two plus for for the month of June. So Amanda, maybe I can bring you in here. Uh, you know, with the backdrop of that, and you know, and I think we've heard even from. You know some of the specific you know OPEC plus states uh, that they expect a, a step up in the coming months uh, and, and perhaps into the second half, second half of the year. Uh, we've heard this from from Adnoc, for example. Uh, you know what should we expect when, when they get back together again in a couple of weeks? Um, I believe it's uh, uh, April Thursday. That's their next meeting. That's the million dollar question, Abby. And I think uh, 
one of the things that, I mean, whatever we're expecting, uh, we should just think the complete opposite. And that's probably what's going to happen because I think the surprises are going to continue. And I think uh, Saudi Arabia's energy minister is very keen to keep this market uh, on its toes because he doesn't want anyone to speculate on oil prices. So uh, I think the surprises are just going to keep coming. However, I will also say that uh, I think that Saudi Arabia will also continue their their very cautious approach to the market. They don't trust that demand is fully back. They think the the impacts of the pandemic are still there. Uh, So I I see them taking a a more cautious approach, whether or not they're going to gain momentum and have uh, all these other countries backing them. uh, That's a different question. Um, But uh, for now, it's uh, I would say it's uh, it's really difficult to, to predict and usually we uh, we have a better idea or understanding of what's going to happen a day or even a few hours before the actual meeting. Yeah, no, that that, that that's a key point. And one more point for you, Amina, on um, you know, in terms of thinking about prices, because this is the last point I wanted to touch on before we wrap up here. I mean, certainly, I think you know, for, from the group standpoint, you know, they, they are happy to see you know these prices move up and and get back into a range. Uh, that they're more comfortable with, right? Um, which, by the way, includes uh, Saudi Arabia as well. Um, you know, so if if the group is able to put maybe a, a seventy dollar floor uh, on the market, you know, this, this certainly seems to be something. You know, as you think about decisions made over the next couple of meetings, uh, that may play into it. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, a floor of 70 is very helpful for these Gulf uh, budgets and other OPEC uh, plus state budgets. Maybe not Russia, not so much, but uh, for for the, the majority of the other producers, which have suffered uh, last year, uh, $70 is, is really comes as an aid uh, to their state budgets and their projects and their diversification ambitions, etc. Uh, we understand that Aramco, for instance, uh, ideally would like uh, prices to average around $60. Uh, they're, they're conservative, uh, usually, in their views. So uh, that's going to be helpful for them as well in continuing uh, their, uh, their upstream projects and their expansion to 30, 13 million barrels a day. Yeah, no, that's right. And, um, you know, and, and certainly even from our own internal uh, kind of break-even analysis across the OPEC Plus group, uh, you know, we think $70 is a magic number, especially with, you know, kind of deep production cuts still in place. Um, if they can achieve that price from a, you know, from a budget revenue kind of fiscal stability standpoint, uh, you know, they, they certainly look, um, you know, much healthier uh, across the group, even though, of course, Russia UAE and a few others uh, can can certainly make do uh, well below that threshold. Um, I just wanted to wrap up the discussion with one last point, um, which is around our own price view. Uh, you know, we have been bullish on prices. Uh, you know, for, for for nearly a year now. You know, you know, from the depths of the COVID crisis. You know, we were saying prices were going to come out of this uh, into the seventy to eighty dollar range. Uh, we thought that was going to happen more uh, in twenty twenty two, but certainly OPEC plus. Has has pulled that forward, uh, and and we too, as we were just talking about, believe that you know, given the, the you know the recent decision last week, uh, that that a seventy dollar floor uh, is quite likely, um, you know, and with the demand snapback that Julianne talked about over the next couple of months and into the summer, uh, you know, we think in this next quarter in particular, in the second quarter of this year, um, you know, could very well be the you know the the hottest quarter uh, from a market standpoint when you could you know, potentially be touching an $80 price 
uh, or, or even a little bit more. Uh, you know, that said, we do think more supply will come back over the course of the second half of the year. Uh, you know, we do like, uh, you know, a 70 to 75 range is a more healthy range uh, from a market balance standpoint uh, for the second half of the year. Um, you know, and, and, and also, you know, we'll, we'll start to see some response from non-OPEC as well. Um, so, so we still think that looking to next year that, a, that a, you know, about a $70 price for Brent uh, should be kind of a good equilibrium price to think about, um, you know, with, with potential for a little bit of upside, but, uh, but, but a little bit of downside as well should, should supply really rebound. Um, so that is uh, all we have uh, for time for today. Uh, Amena, Julien, thank you both very much for your thoughts uh, and your insights. We'll certainly be coming back to more uh, you know, oil market dynamics uh, over the next couple of months. Uh, OPEC plus demand, uh, the macro, uh, how this all sort of unfolds uh, and see if it comes to support our price outlook uh, or if there's some deviations ahead. Um, this just leaves me to say thank you all uh, for listening uh, to this discussion. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we hope that you'll come back for our next podcast uh, on oil market shortly. Thanks for listening to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. Please check back with us soon for our latest content, which you can find at energyintel.com. 